it took me a bit too long to turn that moment, like that that five year old who already knew, who already questioned the the white coat expertise, the maturity of my five year old thought process. I didn't understand it until I was, you know, much more of an adult. I would like to think, and I hope that a lot of us can look back on our lives and and recognize similar moments, like when we're innocent and yet we know something. This is Katie. And I'm Laura. And welcome to the Radical Resilience Podcast. Hi, Laura. Hi, Katie. How are you? Filled with joy. Oh, yeah. How come? I feel like my life for the last week has been a whirlwind. It has been filled with things that have been challenging and confronting with not necessarily in a negative way, like inherently negative, but like I've had a lot of demands for my time and for meetings and for, you know, personal time. And, and there's been so much unexpected in my space and um, a lot of communications coming at me. I keep laughing. I've got like three laptops, two external monitors, and I'm involved in like five or six different projects. And n- none of the these projects use the same technology to communicate and they don't play nice with each other. And, and, I, and I think that the potential was ripe from the get-go for me to have just like a total breakdown about this process and just be like, I quit everything and like be upset about it or like be like this, nothing is working and, and just deal with not. And, and in that case, like it wouldn't have been just me that would be upset. Like that would upset everybody involved in the situation. Right. But, you know, I think because of the people that I have engaged with in every single one of these projects and the, you know, the perspective that we get week after week of just talking about resilience, talking to people about resilience. I kept catching myself mid, like at the, as the breakdown was like starting to come on and I'd be like, that's just one story about what's happening here. What could you, what co- conversation could you have with this person that might turn it all around? Or like, what conversation can you have with yourself? Like that frames this a little differently or what boundary can you set? Like the, like our boundaries conversations have been so off the charts lately. And like, what boundary could I set right now to like really make this workable? And so what it created, like the space that that created was for me to like, I got to know new people all week long and found just amazing and surprising connections with them. Even today, I got to connect with one of Josh's oldest friends who is in this leadership course with me and we didn't realize it. Like he didn't tell us that the other person was going to be in the course. And this is a friend that he's had for like 10 years and she and I've never talked before. And I saw her name come up on the list in the Zoom and I immediately emailed her and like we went back and forth and back and forth like crazy. And then finally today we like, I went for a walk with the dog and she went for a walk with her dog. She's out in Seattle and I'm, I'm here. And we, and, and what I discovered, like I discovered all these things about her that Josh had never shared that were like in so much alignment that I was just amazed at who she was. And I was, I was just enjoying this new like relationship. It was so cool. And so I, and I know that it would have been like that one, that wouldn't have happened if I didn't have like all of these conversations all the time with people that are just up to big things in life. And so I sit here ready to have another conversation with someone who is up to big things in life. And I am just so, uh, and he's, and he's epic. I can't wait. Yeah. I'm just so filled with joy. I can't, I can't, I'm bursting with it. <laughs> right. What is, where's is your joy today, Katie? Do you have any? I am officially in 
the escrow process. <gasps> ah, I know. Oh my god. I don't have a lot more to say about it. Um, it's it's obviously people who know my medical debt situation know it's not my my house, but I've I have been part of it since the purchase and now the sale and escrow signed yesterday and so today now the we I'm the one setting up the appointments and stuff and inspection happens Saturday and it's just like so exciting and then the and the joy is the considering like Massachusetts or Asheville North Carolina for the next move and so it's just been the the joy isn't the escrow like that's it's stressful and it's weird to me because I don't understand any of it and it's not my name's not in it so it's like a lot of telephone but the joy is in the possibilities are like are really really exciting to me as long as there's no ticks where I go because <laughs> we haven't had a long we haven't had talked about ticks for a while but you've picked the wrong coast for that however <laughs> However, I also see what you're doing here, which is setting up a battle royale for between myself and our guests today. <laughs> oh, I didn't. Even, that's so uh, funny. How, it is. Where you're going to live. Mess, you guys have I, to fight. So that's the new change. The game's going to switch tonight. It's going to just be reasons for your state to win my residency. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why I'm excited terribly sad to leave like a paradise feeling all the time and and incredibly happy to have more hiking and and mountain biking and adventures for my dog and more land and maybe visits with Lara or visits with Chris and his lady Heather and meet their kid or meet your dogs. I don't know, (laughs) but it's all so much joy. I can't wait for you to meet, though, who our guest today, because he's someone that I know um, and I am thrilled to introduce him to you and thrilled for you to get to know his story and to just learn more about him and share him with everyone listening. Yeah. So before we introduce you to Chris Hendricks, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back. Life is always happening nonstop every moment. Things either feel as if they're coming together or they're falling apart. When you're on this wild ride, the falling apart moments can feel like the end of who you are. But with the proper skill set, these circumstances that break us down become the moments that awaken us, build our strength, and cause us to grow. To prepare your skill set, I created the Revolutionary Resiliency Course, challenging yourself to go within, dig deeper, make discoveries, and learn while being guided through the exercises in soul work. Together, we will build resilience that is not just radical, but revolutionary. Visit our website, RadicalResiliencePodcast.com to get started. I love you and I'll see you there. And we are back. Chris Hendricks truly lives out loud and it's intoxicating. He can change the energy of an entire concert hall with his voice, poetry, music, and encouraging content. He's reached over 100,000 lives and continues to make an impact everywhere he goes. Performing and speaking across all of the United States, Canada, and Europe, Chris's tireless passion to create and to be seen gives everyone else permission to do the same. It's truly amazing to watch actual hope grow in front of your eyes. With service setting a foundation for all that he does, Chris is the heart-pounding and entertaining speaker, author, and entertainer that everyone needs to experience. 
We couldn't agree more. Welcome, Chris. Welcome. What's up? Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited. This is as loud as I'm allowed to be when there's a <laughs> girl sleeping somewhere in the house. But I'm pumped. So before that sounds creepy on a podcast, Chris has a daughter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't kidnap young souls, I promise. <laughs> um, yeah. She is uh, a part of who I am and then. And uh, the best part of who I am to, to be far by far, she's already a better human being than I am. And she's barely been on this earth for five minutes. Mm. That's, a, that, that's delicious. I feel like that was delicious. <laughs> now I'm the creepy one, but that's <laughs> I was like, that's not the right word to use either. You guys are, we're on a roll. We're living in our weirdness. It's fine. Um, <laughs> Chris, we are so excited to have you on the show, but before we get into your story and what makes you unique and, um, and where your resiliency has grown from, we ask, we, we ask all of our guests the same question to kick off the show. And it is, um, it's really more of a reflection. So our show is called radical resilience and it's a little bit of me. I bring in the radical and Katie brings in the resilience. And we realize that when we mush those two words together, they suddenly take on a particularly unique flavor. But what is beautiful about being radical and being resilient is that it's unique to every single one of us. Our journey is there. And so we would love for you to just give like a hot take on how those two words land for you and how they're represented in your life. I don't know. You, you keep, we keep coming back to food. So just the word delicious just is, is you, you use it so many times, but it's, uh, I don't know if that was some like, um, some NLP magic you guys did on me, but that seems to be a really awesome word that fits just because I, first of all, I'm a, I'm a geek. So I love the alliteration and, you know, as philosophically speaking, you know, everyone has a sense of resilience about them. Uh, if they dig deep enough and, and they're open enough about their, their story. But I think I think that when you want to utilize that aspect of yourself to create impact, you have to find the side of it, the facet of it that indeed is radical. And it's more, it's more exciting to kind of go down that rabbit hole if I were to utilize another metaphor that we brought to the surface when we first started our, our conversation before you hit the record button. You talk about embracing your, your weirdness and uh, we've already referenced shows and movies, so I'm going to jump down the Disney rabbit hole here and go with Onward and uh, just say, you know, the, the straight path has never, never been the right one for me. So radical has been the only way I've been able to go as far as resilience is concerned. And so this, this podcast pathway was just a, a very easy yes for me. And uh, so I hope that answers your um, question to some to, to some degree. And to paraphrase, radical resilience to me is the only resilience there is. Mm, no, it's perfect. So to just get started, just for um, the listeners and Lara, did it again. Uh, <laughs> can you just give kind of like not a long drawn out thing, but just what you live with or whatever, you know, that, that we can then build off of and go from there, but just so people can get an idea of, of who you are and, and maybe what struggles people on the outside would define you with. I think what I'm, what I live with is that people have a hard time defining me. 
And uh, that's been one of the challenges I've faced. I mean, to be specific, you know, if you want, uh, you know, more of the more of the medical label, you know, sure, I've got the cerebral palsy uh, that I was diagnosed with when I was four, a.k.a. better parking forever. Um, <laughs> My dad would agree with you. And um, I've got, you know, ADHD up the wazoo, which means every squirrel I see is a really exciting squirrel, no matter how exciting the initial squirrel. You can't walk my dogs because I'll lose all, all three, you and them. Yes, they'll all go or we'll all go to a magical land together, but we won't know where it is and we won't be able to give you directions. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it'll go. <laughs> um, so, you know, I just, when I realized that, um, that uh, there was no shape that I really fit in. I was like, I think I'm just going to kind of make my own shape. And so uh, then, you know, every cliche nickname kind of followed that. But, uh, you know, they never came from me. I've been called everything from uh, Tiny Tim to the Terminator to Metallic Inspiration. And I have... um, Cafo bracing on my legs that keeps me uh, keeps me upright. Uh, I can't keep track of all the weird nicknames that I've been given over the course of my life. So I started telling people that CP actually just stood for crazy personality. And so life and and the energy around the life that I've been given has kind of uh, guided me. I haven't really had to make any forceful uh, choices. As a matter of fact, the less I fell away from myself, the more I started to sort of uh, float through uh, life, challenges included. And I know that's a lot of that's kind of esoteric, but uh, I can be long-winded. So feel free to tell me to stop. <laughs> no, you're perfect. Um, I was chuckling at your um, free parking or better, better parking for life comment. My uh, my dad had bone cancer and had his leg removed um, when he was in his 30s and has an artificial limb. And that happened long before I was born. And so we always had the handicap parking plate or that now it's the, the thing that you hang in the mirror. Um, and when we would go on vacations, we often went with my parents' friends and, you know, we'd get to a place and my dad would just like roll right in and park in the front. And then he had this best friend who every time, every time my dad did that, and then he'd have to spend 30 minutes trying to find a parking spot. He'd march up with a look on his face and then he'd mime like sawing his leg off and just like make faces at my dad because, you know, like, of course, of course it's appropriate. Like my dad needs that (laughs) parking spot, but the way that his friends experience him is not that is not as different from them. And so to them, he's just a shit and they're just mad. And my dad certainly inspired that feeling in them as well, because he was real smug about it. (laughs) You know, it's funny you tell that story because I think that we give a lot of times when we talk about persons with conditions, as I call it, you know, there are so many intangibles that everyone mentions, you know, the the spirit of the individual and, and the energy that they carry with them. And I think it's really, I think those things are really important and they have um, a whole lot of value, but, as far as radical resilience is concerned, specifically, there's just so much value that should be seen physically, like directly, uh, that can be held onto that is like, is never mentioned, um, you know, within, within my community, within, within the, the subculture. And I don't, don't say subculture as in like lesser culture, but I mean like a culture within a culture that persons that is persons with, conditions that get to be a part of 
every culture and every gender and and they're just never talked about. And it always has really surprised me because uh, for all of the, um, the challenges that, uh, that we do face, there are so many things I want to be really intentional when I say this, because so many people within our community, you know, say things that can sometimes come across uh, very generic, like, you know, your X, Y, and Z is such a gift, right? But what does that mean? And I think that within our community, there are just certain truths, right, about our subculture that are, with all due respect to other subcultures, never going to be true, um, or, you know, are, are, are really only true uniquely to persons with, with conditions, and they should be talked about as a value proposition. So, for example, I have a, a dear friend that has cerebral palsy and has been given a wonderful position in her job and she's given uh, been given the opportunity to actually share her story on uh, a different uh, podcast and she's nervous she's feeling a little nervous about it because she hasn't really talked about her condition publicly and I'm so excited because I get to work with her around how she sees herself before the before the podcast happens because when I view persons that have physical conditions, I have always seen our ability to magnify attention as a bonus. If I was just talking about myself, it might be considered braggadocia, but I am talking about an entire subculture of individuals, okay? If someone with a physical condition, for example, were to walk into a room, let's take networking, and someone who maybe uh, let's just say be considered aesthetically uh naturally or uniquely um uh, beautiful by society standards okay put them right next to each other right but the objective isn't necessarily to be objectively and naturally beautiful the objective in that scenario is specifically to be memorable and 10 times out of 10 someone like me hobbling in the room up to everyone like like I'm, I'm just, I'm going to win every single time as far as societal standards, right? There's initial natural reactions that come from individuals as a result of the aesthetic that I was born with and the people like myself um, that other individuals will never, they'll never get. And that's just a fact. And I think that if those facts were touched on more, and I know it's kind of, it's somewhat controversial, but I think if those facts were touched on more, then you would have a much more radically resilient subculture of people and more of society would be aware of this subculture that is just doing everything they can to break down uh, to break to break down the doors around them. I have two things I want to say. First, I'm part of that that group. So the reason why I know him is because he was on a stage at an event that I was at that was like two days. Tons of people spoke. The one guy who ran the whole thing um, and the longest line of anyone that was at the entire event to talk to, to experience, to get to know was you. Everyone wanted to meet you. So, I mean, I'm, I'm living proof, obviously, like I am someone that is connected to you because there was that draw. So that's not that we needed proof of concept, but like what a, a beautiful thing. My, my question is, 
were you always able to be someone who was able to reframe and shift something into something so positive? Or was there a part like when you were younger, when you were going through, you know, school and stuff? I mean, kids are kids, you know, like I, I have, I color my hair and the minute I grow a little bit in the two little boys down the street are like, it's so weird that you grow black hair and our mom grows gray. And I'm like, the roots, but like, they're just going to naturally call out what's different, not because they're being, you know, rotten. They're, they're just children. So like, was there a part of your life where you were aware of the differences? And at what point did you know or how did you learn that reframe? Because I, I agree with you. I, and I love, I wrote it down, like the magnify attention is a positive. Like it's, it's a gift. There's something, if you choose to use it, it isn't just, I mean, it can also be destroy someone. So at, at what did you go through where like maybe the pain of living a certain way or the pain of believing something long enough became too much? And it was clear that the best decision was to was to shift or to pivot. And if you did experience that, I mean, I would assume children are children. So just what was that like? And how did you, how did you get to a place to have such a profound uh, belief and concept, which I, which I agree with and I stand with you. Um, but I'm just curious what led to that. You know, I think that I'll, add, I'll answer your question by adding on, you know, the, the next layer of nerddom. So just all the nerddom is just going to come out. Buckle up listeners. <laughs> right. You're not a fan of of nerddom. You should, you know, don't turn it off now because these ladies are extremely interesting. But I'm about to just nerdgasm all over the place. With great power comes great responsibility. I'm sorry, right? Um, so how does that answer your question? Well, first of all, I did not always have that reframe. And yes, kids are kids, and I was absolutely I was not seen in a um, friendly light by all. Uh, you know, let's just say, but I, but I will say that that kind of that shift for society for me shifted around, you know, that typical period of, uh, the typical time frame of middle school, um, middle school was just like, was horrible, uh, for me. Like I had wonderful, wonderful teachers, uh, but just felt like I was just in the dark, uh, the whole time. And, um, you know, things like class trips where we were like in confined spaces with other people for like extended car rides or whatever, where everyone else was like really excited about it. I just hated it. It was like torture for me. I can remember my classmates, like if my mom was there, or whatever, dropping me off, they'd be like, hey, Chris, you know, they'd be like all excited, you know, hey, good to see you, buddy. Glad you're here. Bleh. You know, and then as soon as the doors shut and the van went off, I was like in a torture chamber for a couple hours. And uh, and that was just that was my life. Um, and I have to say the saving grace, what what got me to the reframe with a couple different things, but something that I don't think a lot of people I'm going to say rethink about. And the reason I'm using that word is. Our parents, um, I have to give a lot of credit to my mom here, um, but our parents, if they're, if they're doing their best to put us in the right frame of mind, I had a mom that really worked hard to do that. And I used to find it so annoying, but she would always, she would just drill into my head, you know, that kind of classic Disney cheesiness but also just an, an underlying like hardcore truth that that me being 
being unique was a really, really good thing. Um, and that I did have uh, this, it's, it's, and it's harder for me to say this with two lovely humans on this, on this podcast, but my, as my mom would put it like this, there was a handsomeness about me that I just hadn't figured out yet. And she would put it in really practical ways, right? So she would say, she would be open and honest with me about other things. And so when it came to stuff like this, like my aesthetics, my looks, how I felt about myself and my uniqueness, she would, she would always follow up with stuff like, if I really didn't, she said, you know, I love you because you're my son and you're, and I'm your mother. I, so I have a mother's love for you. But if I felt like you really were not an attractive creature or like I was worried about that, I would say like, well, son, you know, don't worry. You have a great personality. <laughs> you know, you know, um, she would always like, she would give me the Disney cheese, but she would always frame it in something practical, like something that I could hold on to. And so uh, when I got to college, that's really when the mega shift happened, right? Because I got away from this town that I didn't really understand and I felt really didn't understand me. Um, and uh, and they tried their best. And it's not to say that I didn't have friends in high school and I, I'm still friends with some of those people, but we all were, we all embraced the weird. We all embraced... Um, uh, the radicalness of who we were, uh, who we are. And uh, when I got to college, I was just kind of like, um, I had this sort of screw it moment, like the screw you, screw it, new pathway, um, empty uh, uh, slate, if you will. And I realized there was this moment and I well, I actually remember exactly when it happened. I went to college at Elon University, and at the very beginning of my college journey, they had a hypnotist come in, and the the warm up crew said, uh, "Hey, listen, come and watch the show, right? But there's no way this hypnotist is going to pick you. Like you're the like the chances of you getting picked out of everyone in the entire school is really really low. So like don't don't bother." You know, the seniors always make these giant signs and stuff, and they're probably going to get picked and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I have an idea. So I went to this hypnotist. I got there early and uh, I sat in the very front row. And when he asked who wanted to go up on stage, I just got up and walked on yes, stage. Oh. I, I didn't let him not pick me. Um and uh and that was it that was like i was just like i'm not going to wait for someone to choose me when i could just choose myself and that was like it all kind of sank in like my mom's hammering on like that was really what she was trying to say she was just like just pick yourself and the second that you do you know the world will will open up for you and uh and it did um and I had, and this new reality opened up for me and, and I was hypnotized and I don't remember anything. Um, only what I was told, which is my shoe, uh, he turned my shoe into a radio, which I then took off and listened to and then sang to the school. And I didn't even know that I was like 
worthy of them. Like, I didn't know how I sounded. I was hypnotized. <laughs> you know, I don't remember anything. Uh, all it, it just, it became this thing. And, and so I chose myself when it came to social gatherings, I would just walk, I just started walking up to people and, and I would open up with jokes and, you know, sometimes they would land and sometimes they wouldn't, but I started to like become this social animal that realized my social, my social destiny, at least, uh, was up to me. Like I could make it what I wanted and, and with who I wanted. And, uh, if there was somebody who didn't like it because my condition, my, my Quasimodo-esque vibe, uh, like didn't work for them, um, then, you know, go, go fucking hang out with Pleasantville people. (laughs) I love you. So like when I met you, you were on stage, you spoke and then you sang what, what got you to the point where you then like, you know, so you have this confidence, you choose you, you have the self-love, the self-worth that's, that's incredible that most of us are chasing constantly and you had it and you embodied it. What made you realize that it was then a tool and a technique you could teach others to step into and that you want that wanted to be, that was going to be then like your, your path and your passion. You know, I remember that it's funny. You're asking all the right questions. Cause there's, cause usually I have to like, um, tell some sort of general, make a general statement around stuff. But I, whenever you frame a question, I have a flash in my mind of like the moment, um, uh, that it happened. And, and I should clarify that I'm still on the journey of self-love as we, as we all are, you know, I absolutely have the, I absolutely have the dark days that end in why, you know? Well, yeah, the, the beauty of being human. Right. But the, I guess like for you, what I have always admired is just like, you do make that choice. You do see that it's this or that, you know, like I can choose this or I can choose that. And you like me, like I'll set a timer. If I'm going to go dark, I'm like, well, I'm not going to ignore the darkness. Like I'm going to go, but I'm going to set my timer for 40 minutes and then I'm going to go walk my dog. So I give, and now I don't, now 40 minutes is too long. At first it was like, I need more time. And now I'm just like, oh, come on. It's been six, I'm over it. And you know, like, and I'll get up and go do (laughs) what I need, but it's like finding those techniques. So for sure you're human and having all that stuff, but there's like, there is something about you choosing to then use this because it's like, if you have something that people either identified you or decided or labeled you or, you know, like created stories about. And then now you're using all of that to create the difference for the world and the impact. And like for everyone listening, he can't, he's a musician, he can sing, he can do all this different stuff. Uh, You do have a face that everyone loves. Like your mother was uh, very, uh, you know, correct in her statement of being handsome. So you have all this stuff up on stage. What made you know that like, okay, I'm going to throw myself into this. I'm going to take the pain and the pleasure and all of that and make this my forever. Music has saved my life from the beginning. And I know a lot of people kind of say that, especially us artists. And that's also the problem with artists who have ADHD are usually into lots and lots of different kinds of art. Um, And I was, and then I found out that art people were like me. And so I wanted to be around all the art people and they were like, which kind of art people? And I was just like, art people. So if you if you sang, you know, if you danced, if you drew, if you just wore odd things, um, or, you know, or if you were just like hanging out in the, um, if you were just hanging out in the corner 
doing like a weird rodeo dance when everyone else was doing, uh, you know, the Foxtrot. I was like, I want to know that guy or, or, or this person. And as far as like that moment uh, that you, you asked for that shift as far as, you know, connecting with other people, there's a specific, you know, darkness leads to light a lot of times. Right. So, you know, when I was 17, I had, uh, you know, there was a, I had a choice to make. My parents were not around as in they were at work. I had parents that were around, <laughs> but for this particular day, they were at work and, um, I just really couldn't, you know, I couldn't find my mom's voice that day and um, was not feeling strong in myself. And there were like, if you went into my house at the time, there's this, uh, we kind of had this weird, like spider-ish looking framework to our house. And the center, the central area of the house had one long hallway that broke off into a bunch of different rooms. But the long hallway that we had, one side of the house goes to um, my parents' bedroom, uh, the master bedroom and the, and the bathroom. And the other hallway led into the living room with the speaker system and, the, and all the CDs. And I was like, I wonder what kind of meds mom's got in the medicine cabinet. And so, uh, you know, I wandered off in that direction and I cracked open the, the medicine cabinet door and I, and I saw lots and lots of pharmaceutical options. And I was like, I wonder if this will help get rid of the pain. I wonder, I wonder what this does, or I wonder if I mix this and that, and I don't read the bottle, uh, the label, but the reason I mentioned the layout of our home is when I open the medicine cabinet, there's a mirror on the front of it. And um, when I opened the medicine cabinet and I looked at the pills, the medicine cabinet hit me on the head um, and knocked me back. And I looked up and I looked through the mirror and because the mirror door had opened in the mirror at the other end of the hallway was my, was the, went right down to the living room into the onto the speaker system my mom's music collection and for some reason i put the bottle down and uh and went and wandered back into the the living room and i found rumors by fleetwood mac which is my favorite album of all time and i've always loved them but i had never like sat and listened to the whole thing straight through and um one of the tracks on uh, on that album is Chains, and uh, and it was just like uh, <laughs> it was just like oh my god I can't believe I haven't just do dove into uh, this song and it just really really hit me and then the whole album hit me and it saved me and so music kind of it start what started out as something very internal became external in college. And, uh, you know, I'd sung my whole life, but I didn't really kind of associate purpose with art and speech, um, until my college journey. And then, uh, I started speaking, um, and sharing my story just of the, most people didn't know 
that story that I just shared with the, you know, the 17 year old. I just, I, I don't want to um like take you off of that, but just to clarify to all of us listening, um, cause I know I don't want to make like assumptions and stuff. So you were considering like a suicide attempt, Yep. which makes sense then for perfectly your, your company. Yeah. Okay. So now I'm, I'm connecting the dots. Yeah. Sorry. I, and I am, I'm I just an didn't open. want to assume that. And I know, you know, like everyone listening, it's just easier if we, if we just identified that. So you were at that place where it was just like the pain could be that consuming and like, what yeah. if you could take that away and then music, I mean, what a, what a, a, what a beautiful moment, the universe or whatever you believe in God, whatever gave you to hit you in the head to then, I know, you know, literally, literally. Shift you up and, like, and get you to the music, which makes like what I saw on stage when I saw you perform that much more profound. Cause you didn't share that story with us. So I didn't know that part of you. Yeah. Well, and that, and that's the thing, like context means so much, um, when you're talking about radical resilience, right? Cause everyone has, depending on what phase of their, of our lives we're in, we've got, you know, it's what it's, you know, mountains come in lots of different shapes and sizes and colors, um, you know, and they're all over the place. And, uh, I just feel like there was kind of this gradual transition. This is very ADHD of me. I'll backtrack a moment. The, when you are first diagnosed with something that is very physical and very visible, you're, 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 you're sort of told how you're going to be seen by the medical profession, like the medical world. And they mean, they give it all to you with love, you know, love and expertise and, and science and, you know, all of that stuff. And, uh, and they give it to you so that you can be armed with something. Um, but you know, as far as I was concerned, I was just, I was five years old and looking at this like really angry Santa Claus that was making way too much money to be that sad. And, uh, just, I was just so confused. Cause I was like, I don't know, you're a doctor and you're telling me all of these things that I'm going to experience. But like my mom and I got into the building before you and you work here. Like, how did that even, how does that even happen? And, uh, it took me a while to realize, to look back on that moment and, um, realize that adults, however, you know, I'm a kid at heart, but adults, however you want to define it will always give you information based on where they are in their lives in that moment. And that's the thing. Moments make all the difference though. And it, it took me a bit too long um, to turn that moment, like that, that five-year-old who already knew, who already questioned the, the white coat expertise, the maturity of my, of that five, my five-year-old, thought process. I didn't understand it until I was, um, you know, much more of an adult. I would like to think, and I hope that a lot of us, uh, can look back on our lives and, and recognize similar moments, like those moments when we're innocent. Um, and yet we know something, right? Yeah. We haven't been taught to not trust ourselves. So you and yeah, our intuition was on point then. Yeah. That that's kind of what eventually turned into way back around your original, uh, your original question. Like when I figured that out, that moment, when I realized what that moment meant, uh, in college, that was when I could, when I felt comfortable sharing my, myself in the, in the speaking world and, um, and trying my hand at, at songwriting and, um, and acting and all of the, 
all of and, and, and comedy. And I'm not even, I'm not saying I'm good at any or all of these things. I'm just saying that I just, I felt most myself. I felt like all of these, uh, these artistic releases were extensions of that five-year-old boy that was questioning the angry Santa Claus in the white, white coat. Um, and so in a way you, you might say that when I really jumped in and, and felt fully comfortable just being an artist in the most generic sense was also the moment that I felt comfortable teaching and sharing, you know, uh, the things that I had gone through at that point and, and the value of, of human life and why we should all, uh, uh, stay here. What motivated you to share it? Like exactly. I had a, a very personal experience, a very personal moment where someone else was struggling and, uh, they were in a community. They were actually among, they were among all of their friends and I didn't really know her uh, very well. And I should clarify, I'm by no means a counselor and don't claim to be one, but uh, they were kind of saying the very generic things like, um, you know, she would, she would say something like, um, you know, I don't, I don't really, I'm just feeling really down right now. And I don't really like my face and I don't really, I don't like my eyes and I don't like my hair, you know, and her friends would come back and say, uh, oh, you know, uh, don't say that you're, you're beautiful. You're, you're lovely. You're great. You're, you know, they would just kind of like say the opposite of what it was that she was saying. And, um, I knew, so she loved her dog Max more than anything in the world. Um, and I knew that about her. That was the one thing that I knew about her. And I just, for whatever reason, I don't, I am not an expert, but for whatever reason, I said, tell me about your dog. And she started talking about Max. And I said, well, when was the last time that you played with Max? And she started talking about when she played with Max. And I said, what was it like to, to throw the, throw the Frisbee? How, how did you feel when you saw Max leap into the air and catch the Frisbee? And what was it like when Max ran back up to you and you hugged him? And I was really like, I was actually very interested in, in, in how she, she felt. And she said the words, I think I'm okay now. And as soon as she said that, I went, Oh man, there's something about this that I kind of get, you know? And again, like I, I won't call myself a healer at all. It was just, it was just a moment and I can't give myself credit except to say that she is still here. And I just thought, man, if, if just that intentional listening is enough for people, like if, if that's all it takes, then why not? Like, that's the easiest gift you can really give anyone. Um, cause for someone who talks way too much, which is me going, diving deeper into that world and becoming an active listener was probably the best thing that ever happened to me for multiple reasons. So if I'm being selfish about this story, that moment made me a better, better person because as much of, as I am an artist, 100%. Um, and we love to talk as artists. Um, man, listening just makes you, it evolves you in, in every way, but also as an artist, you become such a, like a stronger artist. And that's where all the talk comes from and affliction. That's where affliction comes from. And 
uh, the songs that became, you know, went on CDs and, and allowed me to, to travel and tour and play. And I really, really relate to so much of what you just said as both, you know, a person who lived my life as a professional artist for over a decade. And then, um, and then also identifies with being very talkative. Um, I, it takes no effort for me to fill a room with me um, <laughs> and, and how some of the most profound moments of my life have come from taking on being a better listener. And, and, and I really, really appreciate the way that you phrase it of being an active listener because it's, it's different than, and it's a different, it's a different activity from just like hearing the words that someone's saying. It's really being able to recreate what they're saying and connecting it to who they are you know, and, and what's really happening with them and, and what they're committed to in their lives and what matters, like, which is exactly, you know, that moment that you had by accident, you know, where you just, you know, were there and, and saw the connection and the commitment to this relationship with her dog and the, and happiness. And it just like opened up this whole world of listening to you, which is like, as a, as a fellow performer prone to yakking on, I, I have also experienced that, that listening gift. And, and it actually got me interested in being like, I, you know, I, I went to, I, I became a, a life coach and a health coach because I wanted to talk my, about my story more and the, and never in a million years did I think that by taking that education, the gift that I would get would be the ability to listen to other people. Cause you find out that people will listen. Like you can, you know, there's hearing, like I'm hearing you and then there's listening and then there's listening with intention. And then there's listening where like, cause I notice it in conversations or when I was, you know, just the lead coach for the coaching Academy company I was working for. So many people will listen, but the whole time they're halfway into something and they're already preparing what they're going to say back to the person. And you were just with her. So whatever, like you weren't planning anything. And when you're truly that present, I mean, that's a, that's a, muscle of, of resiliency, like right there is knowing that there's power, not only in sharing your story, which is what we talk a lot about, like the minute you share, you take the power away from whatever you've been hiding or doing. But the, another huge flex of resiliency is, is the intentional active listening and listening to be with someone, not listening to respond or listening to prove your point or listening to X, Y, or Z, like to truly just listen. And who cares if there's a five minute pause between what you say next, because like you might take in what they're saying and honestly just be thinking about it and let, you know, like it's beautiful. And I love, I love that that's been one of the things that you flex because that doesn't come up in a lot of people's story. Like that's not what a lot of people realize is one of the gifts of resiliency and probably more radical. We don't live in a society that intentionally actively is listening to listen. That, that curvy pathway, man. I mean, that's that's exactly what you're speaking to. If our listeners were interested in getting on that curvy path with you, what's one thing that they could do to flex their resiliency muscle? As powerfully and oddly tiny, Tim, as this is going to sound, help someone. It's really, really easy to find ways to do it right now 
And you certainly don't have to, you know, I will, of course, shamelessly plug perfectlyafflicted.com, which is my nonprofit, which is all about empowerment for people. But I, um, you know, if you want to join the path with me, uh, anyone who follows me on Facebook will see that every couple of days I post um, a pr- the same, a different version of the same thing, which is essentially how can I help you? And it's a really, really generic posting but I really mean it. And I really love to, to follow through. And sometimes it's like, Hey, you know, I'm looking for a house or I, or I need a meal or I need a donation. But a lot of times it's like, Hey, this um, pandemic thing, it's kind of driving me insane. And so if I could just have a zoom call, um, if you could just call me and uh, just say, Hey, and check in. And I'll tell you another secret too, man, people know when you're not checking in with them. (laughs) And I know that from a, you know, my own experience and my own ego, right? Like people, people can tell when you're in the same room with them, but not present. And it's, it's a lesson that I, I'm fighting to get better at each and every day. And no creature will teach you the power of presence and the necessity of presence more than a, uh, than a little girl or a little boy. (laughs) Um, that, because that's all, that's all they are is present. And the moment so you're not, true. they will smack you right across the face. <laughs> I love it. Ah, oh, that is the perfect, perfect segue, I think, into our, our childlike, we'll move from the childish smack to our childlike moment of a game. <laughs> I think it's game time because I don't think we're going to get better than that piece of of wisdom. So let's just mic drop drop and move to the absurd. (laughs) Um, So this is a game. It's very simple. The the first rule is that there's no rules. And then the second rule is just um, you're just going to do something in 30 seconds. I'm going to say a color. You find something with that color and you bring it back. That's all. Super easy. Okay. The color is going to be green. Go. 30 seconds. Oh, we're already all back. Okay, Laura, you go first. Share your thing. So now we're just going to share. It's just fun to be in the moment. And much like my dogs, Laura's dogs and your daughter teach us to be present. So now we're just here in the moment with what we found. All right. So what I found was this little desk-sized Christmas tree that has a Mickey Mouse Santa hat for the top of the tree and little Mickey decorations all and little stockings all over it. And then the base of the tree is Mickey's feet. And I, I acquired this magical tree when I was working for the mouse, um, as a performer, uh, many years ago. And every year I get so excited when it comes out and I can put it on my desk and have a little bit of whimsy. And this year I got to share it with Josh, who is my partner. And he, uh, <laughs> I, I, I whimsied the bah humbug right out of him. <laughs> I love it. That's what I have. That's green. What do you have, Chris? I have a green puzzle piece and it seems like a a very simple puzzle piece. And in certain ways it is, but it is so much more. This green puzzle piece is a pentagon from my uh, one of my daughter's puzzles. And she loves puzzles. 
And here's the thing. We were talking about presence, right? And, uh, you know, this, this little shape that seems so innocuous to me as a, as a 35 year old, you know, artiste slash financier, like, like creative, but also does non-creative things to eat food person, like has become so, so very important to this new little person in my life. And that has made this little thing so very important to me. Um, because they, uh, you know, the little creatures that we love so much, they're a part of us. Um, and, and, and so you, you just, you can't help it, right? We're all connected energetically anyway. And I remember this, I remember the puzzle coming into her life for the first time and the fascination that she had with all of the, uh, the sort of simplicity of it. And I remember, catching myself and going yeah but it's not simple it's not simple to her it's simple to me because i've been in a world where i see pentagons i've like i've seen enough pentagons that i no longer see pentagons anymore but she sees you know it's like this this pentagon is like the most incredible pentagon in the world as a result of it and because of that I now can look at my daughter and go, this is a pentagon. <laughs> <laughs> For you to be wowed by it, it would need to be a squirrel. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it would need to at least dance or speak some sort of different language. Like we would need to like, it would need to have been like Dan Harmon in some way. I don't know if you know who that is. Yes. <laughs> um, mine is... <laughs> So, so we have a, I have a pooper scooper in the backyard. I didn't bring that in. Don't worry for the dogs. And I don't know if you know the cost of poop bags. Laura, you live more in nature. So like when I was at my parents' house, they just went in the woods and, oh, and no, went no, to no. the bathroom. We have to have poop bags. Okay. So we have to pick them up. So this one's just like, you know, it's a big thing so I can rake them in and fill it. So I don't have to be going through as many. They were expensive and they're crazy. Well, we just found this other brand and it makes me so I'm showing you a poop bag. This is my, this is how my life is going. And it's called the duty bag. So it's D O O T I E. And for some reason, I love that it ends in an I E like Katie. I, I, I feel like we're connected and they're, they still fit. So it's like a knockoff and it fits the same thing. And I don't have to spend the fortune to buy the man. I love a good deal. And I was, I love them. And I love that they're called duty bags. It's, and it's like, I keep, like I literally have one in my office because it made me so happy. And I was like, I'm going to look at it and it's going to make me laugh when things are going hard because it's something that we didn't think. And we're like, we'll give it a try. We'll order it. And if it doesn't, you know, it's whatever we lost. We have 150 bags that don't fit anything and we'll figure out what to do with them. Or I'll use them at the grocery store and people will be like, what the hell she's putting? Why is she like bagging up pomegranates in a duty bag? And I just thought it would be so funny, no matter what it was going to work and it was going to be good but i love that it does work for it and so i keep one in here because it makes me so happy just thinking about well i tried it and then i already saw all these possibilities for it if it didn't work so it's like i love that part of our our brain where we are able to like shift and see the beauty and like okay well i'm gonna aim for this and then i have like if if plan a doesn't work like a b c d a, z double a double b <laughs> like all the way through 
That's all I wanted to share with you. My poop bag. Please share with our listeners where they can find you in the interwebs. Uh, you can find me in lots of places, but I'll make it simple for you. I am Chris Hendricks.com is, is one of the places. Uh, oh, gosh, how dare I? Perfectlyafflicted.com. Go there. Go there. Go there more than the other place. Because uh, that's my that's my nonprofit. Uh, we used to, we go into schools and use music and creativity to um, tell stories and let young people tell their own story in their own way and uh, create community. And now we're figuring out ways to do that virtually. Um, and it's nonprofit and I don't get a dime from it. Um, and there's a donate button on there. And so if you want to contribute, it all goes towards the programs and the kids. I don't touch any of it. Um, so go there if you so desire. Um, and I love you. Well, we can't let you go yet because we've got one final game and it is called get out of here with a Boston and accent. the rules, the rules of our Boston accent get out of here game is that um, we're all going to get out of here on this podcast, but we are not we're not going back to our regular lives. No, no. We are going to any magical made up could be from a book, TV movie, or some magical mystical land that you made up in your own imagination when you were a kid. That's where we're going. So when you get out of here, Chris, where are you going? Where are you getting out of here to? You know where I'm going? I'm going to Dan Harmon and Justin Roiland's brain. That's where I'm going. And I don't mean they're separate brains. I mean, like, if it was one brain meshed together, and I'm going to go to the world side of their brain, they are responsible for Adult Swim shows like Rick and Morty and things like that. But the deep answer is they're responsible for the new version of the story circle. So for us creatives who like like storytelling, it's another rabbit hole that I won't dare take anyone down at the end of your podcast. But I am in the in the spirit and in, to honor um, Chris and Heather's daughter. I'm going to go where I used to go when I was a little kid, which was I would pull my comforter over my head and. I believe, and I lived in a whole world of all my friends and all like these other animals. And it actually just in my world was next door to Oscar the Grouch's can when he went into his can. So when we had a peephole, so we could look in and I would always try to cheer him up and be and like do silly things. And my place was like colorful and there was like fish swimming and, but the, we weren't underwater. Like what the fish had the water around them. And it was just every single creature and everything that came together with like um, splashed rainbows everywhere. And then we would just like lean into Oscar the Grouch's tin can and be like, you should try to be happy. And so I would go there and just hang out there because it was awesome. And I, I like, I went there for a very long time, longer than uh, a child should have been going under their comforter to escape. But it was, it was, it was the best place, way better than Disney ever could be. I think that's, Amazing. And I would like to let you know, just so that you feel better about all of the things of, about being too late into make believe world, I would spend hours through high school, through like all the way through senior year of high school, playing make believe in my room by myself. Oh, like me too. Yeah. Like, okay. well, well past the age that most kids are playing make believe. I was playing make believe. I might not have, I was, I really feel like you are truly unique in that they, the one Sesame Street character you wanted to play make-believe with was Oscar the Grouch, trying to cheer him up. And that is also so on point with who you are. I can't even, I feel like I can't even beat it. I, you know what? So, so going off of that, like, so since I have my Mickey Christmas tree right here, and since you're talking about Oscar the Grouch, let me tell you where I'm going. I am going to the world of 
the Muppet Christmas Carol. Tis the oh. season. And I'm going to hang out with Gonzo and Rizzo telling the story. That's where I'm going. I'm going to hang out with Gonzo and Rizzo, the rat. That's so awesome. That's amazing. So let's let's go. Let's get out of here. Thank you, Chris, so much for coming on and for sharing. We loved it. I'm so excited that everyone gets to hear hear more about you. Thank you all so much. It's so excited to I was so excited to reconnect with um with you, Katie, and 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 meet you, Laura. And we'll have to talk about the mouse sometimes. I used to work for them. Another time, another day. Fantastic. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Don't forget to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast app and leave us that sweet five-star review. It helps people find us and makes our hearts ever so happy. You can follow me, Laura Ingalls, at LJ Ingalls on Instagram and Twitter. And me, Katie Lasky, at Katie Love Bomb on Instagram. Or follow the pod at Rad Resilient Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And check us out on the web at RadicalResiliencePodcast.com. However you find us out there in this virtual world, know that we are so glad you're here. We love you and we'll see you next week.